This episode is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free, so you don't have to worry about monthly hosting fees. It has built-in creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Or you can record and edit using your favorite audio recording software and upload it straight to Anchor. Anchor will also distribute your podcast, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Pocket Casts. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and Anchor will even match you with advertisers as your audience grows. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast, Anchor is a pretty great place to start. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H. OR.FM to get started. Suzanne, in the future, cut this, cut me saying this and put it at the beginning. Spoiler warning if you, for both Cowboy Bebop and the shitty live action one that we're talking about. Maybe not shitty. We're still. We're still talking about it. Just spoiler warning for Cowboy Bebop. Problem solved. You're listening to Two Weaves in a Trench Coat. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Madison. What what are we doing today? <laughs> you know, it's funny that we're on episode, like, what, 920? Um, and we still don't have an intro, really. But because I ranted about it, like, three episodes ago, uh, I figured we should do a Cowboy Bebop episode. Oh, boy. Okay. We're, oh, boy. <laughs> well, you know what? If we hadn't already gotten canceled before... It's fine. <laughs> I don't know if this is necessarily going to like make people mad because I feel like there are people who really enjoyed it as its own standalone thing and maybe haven't seen the anime in a while or ever. There yeah. are people who didn't like it as it was because it's kind of... It tries really hard and doesn't really succeed half the time. Yeah. I mean, I feel like... In terms of just talking about the live action show, I feel like we have, between the two of us, we have a pretty measured and reasonable response compared to a lot of the very loud people on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm i sure there's like a better write-up of this somewhere, but like, I remember watching it and just kind of wondering, and like just watching it and seeing it go wrong in front of me and not being able to pinpoint exactly, like, what is the root cause of why it sucks so bad for me personally? I have some theories that I'll get into. Okay. But do you want to do, like, your impressions of it? Yeah, I mean, because I'm, I'm definitely coming coming to it from the perspective of someone who's only seen some of the original animated version like Mm -hmm. jack is really into cowboy bebop and he showed me like when we were first start when we first started dating we watched a couple of the episodes but we never finished it and i thought it was fine like i've it i don't have any sort of nostalgic factor or anything 
to it. Like, I'm not... I find it's fun. I wouldn't call myself, like, a fan or anything. Like, yeah, I'll watch it, but it's not, you know, usually my bag of anime. Yeah. And we watched some of the of the live action. We haven't finished it because I immediately jumped into JoJo Brain Rot and have been there ever since. Yeah. Y'all are missing out in the Discord. We had to make a whole new JoJo we channel. We had to make a whole new JoJo channel and it's... It's one person jumping in sometimes with me, and then otherwise it's just me talking to myself about JoJo. Yeah, it's Madison's channel, and the rest of us are just audience members. Yeah. Oh, God. It's- listen, I- it's my pandemic depression, and I don't get to choose the one thing that gives me serotonin. (laughs) But so we've seen most of the live action- We've seen most of the live-action Bebop, um, but again, took a sidebar for JoJo and Book of Boba Fett, which has been really good, too. Mm-hmm. But Cowboy Bebop was, like, each episode was so vastly hit or miss, honestly. Like, the vibes of the yeah. first episode for me were fine, and then it just sort of went consistently downhill from there with, like, some ups, but mostly downs. Yeah. But, like, I have some issues with it in terms of just, like, actual production and, like, script and stuff. Not so much the actual in-universe content of the show, if that makes sense. It's more of, like, the actual behind-the-scenes production stuff. Mm-hmm. I will say. Yeah. The number one thing, or the two things, the two things that I that are my favorite. No, three. Three things. I always forget the third one. Three things. Is, is one of them Faye's outfit? One of them is Faye's outfit. Yes. Absolutely. One hundo percent. I love her new outfit. It doesn't look painful. It's practical. She's got boots. Mm-hmm. And it's still sexy. If you don't think that, that her new outfit is sexy, you're a very sad little person. Um, <laughs> in comparison to her impractical and absolutely stupid original outfit... New new outfit, so much more sexy because it's practical. Mm-hmm. Bitches love practical outfits on women characters. It's me. I'm bitches. <laughs> Number two, that they committed to making Jet a black man. Yeah. Because, yeah, he's ambiguously brown in the original anime and his voice actor for the dub was black. And that's where that sort of idea came from. But I like that they committed. I think it's great. Uh... And number three, which was as much as I hated anything having to do with Vicious, I did like that we (laughs) got more of background side women characters actually interacting and having character development. It was just unfortunate that it had to come with Vicious, whose all of his scenes were just awkward and awful, and I did not like any of them. (laughs) Oh, the things they did to Vicious. Um, oh, oh, God. Yeah, I'll- <laughs> that wig, first of all? That wig, first of Wait, all? Mm. No, no. <laughs> Bad. Burn it. The worst. Oh, God. Um, So I won't get into, like, episode by episode, because um, yep. we will be Oof. here all night. <laughs> um, And each episode is, like, a fucking hour long. Yeah. But uh, basically... My plan for this was I got curious about past live actions mm-hmm. 
So I have a little bit about that. And then a little bit about like how Netflix's Cowboy Bebop even happened. And then I go into the things that annoyed me, basically, uh, by character, kind of. Oh, good. (laughs) My favorite. So when I wanted to do this episode, I pretty much just opened up a Google Doc and started typing things that annoyed me. And I filled up like two or three pages. Damn. And then <laughs> and then I was like, how come there's like never been a good Western live action adaption of an anime before? Yeah. And like, what's the history of these live action adaptions? Because like. There are really hammy, kind of cringy Japanese-led productions that don't get nearly as much backlash. And I, my theory is that it's because people kind of expect that hamminess. And also, the people who are going to watch those are either people in Japan or hardcore anime fans. So you're not going to hear from, like, your average Joe about it. Yeah, they don't usually make it over here unless you're already into the series in the first place. Right. So, my little bit of research. Basically, movie adaptions have existed for, like, books and popular myths since, like, the beginning of film. And it took a few more years after modern manga emerged after World War II before Western adaptions of Japanese manga and anime started appearing. Mm Mm-hmm. So, one of the first live-action adaptions of manga in Japan was Furyu Kokeitan, Senin Buraku, in 1961, and it was based on the manga Senin Buraku, which was the longest-running comic strip in Japan since 1956. So, it ran from 1956 until 2014. Holy shit. And it pretty much only ended because the creator... Got sick and then eventually died in 2015. Damn. Yeah. It was running for a long ass time. Like, it's technically longer than Peanuts. It just has fewer, like, episodes. Okay. But Senin Burak was the first late night anime for older, do- for older audiences. And it's also pretty hard to find old episodes because it was only 15 minutes per episode. It aired at the very end of the day after the news, and there's never been an official English translation of the original manga, so most people in the U.S. have never heard of it. Wow. Yeah. I love, like, looking stuff up and just finding, like, some good pure soul has made a whole wiki page about some, like, long-running Japanese comic strip they never would have heard of unless they looked it up. Yeah. So the first kind of, like, Western adaption of a Japanese anime or manga was actually a French-Japanese co-production in 1979. It was an adaption of The Rose of Versailles called Lady Oscar. Oh, The Rose of Versailles, yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Produced by Mataichiro Yamamoto and directed by Jacques Demy. And it was filmed on location in France with British actors and um it didn't do too hot didn't make a whole lot of money uh critics didn't like it generally the consensus was that it was pretty underwhelming and just kind of bad oh yeah which like i don't want to say that this is like the harbinger of worse things but it's kind of like 
this was the first foray into like western live action adaptions and it wasn't great and they kind of haven't been great since and so a trend was born (laughs) so like live action adaptions continued on in japan like most of the list i found was productions in japan so they've done like Lone Wolf and Cub, Gogo 13, Lupin the Third, like majorly popular manga that already had like a massive audience. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of the same with anime. Like generally they don't make it unless there is a huge audience for the manga, unless it's like a TV original. Yeah. And then as far as I could find out, the US didn't get involved in this whole like live action party until the 90s with a movie called The Giver, based on a manga called Bio Booster Armor Giver. Bio Booster Armor Giver? That's a <laughs> fucking title, damn. Yep. So that was in the 90s, and they also did Fist of the North Star in 95. Ooh! Fist of the North Star, my fucking beloved. I'll do an episode <laughs> on it, because, God, or part one of JoJo is literally just Fist of the North Star, but also Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> So you'll be very surprised to hear that both of these were direct-to-video. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Uh, Wow. On God? (laughs) Right? So weird. The Giver was super cheesy. The acting was bad. The plot was confusing. Um, Even fans were like, yeah, this is fun. But, like, it was kind of like, yeah, we got a live-action adaption of this manga we really like. But, like, it's not good. Oh, no. Mark Hamill is in it. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> my space dad who liked my tweet? Wow. <laughs> yeah, Mark Hamill's in a lot of things. He's in, in so 90s. many things. Um, he has two modes. Okay, listen, I love him. <laughs> I say this with all the affection in my heart. His range is the Joker slash Skeletor or Luke Skywalker. That's it. And I love him. <laughs> I love him for it so much. He liked one of my tweets once, which I still is, is, is wild to me. Um, where I called him Space Dad. Love you, sir, Mr. Hamill. <laughs> God. Wow. Does that predate Star Wars or is it after Star Wars? Uh, it's definitely after Star Wars because this was the 90s. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, Ooh. I think the guy ever came out in like 92. Ooh. Even pulling, you know, well-known names mm-hmm. and it's still, ooh, unfortunate. <laughs> I can't remember if he's actually like a major character in it. Um, or if he's just like a bit bit part. Yeah, I think he like might have a significant part in it. But like the list of other actors are people I didn't recognize. But that's not saying much because I don't know most actors. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think his character is CIA agent Max Reed, Jack Armstrong, Vivian Wu, David Gale. Michael Berryman. Like, these are not people I know whatsoever. And I think they're, like, kind of B-C movie actors. Mm-hmm. And Fist of the North Star was also a direct video so you can draw your conclusions as to how good that was. Oof. I don't even want to imagine <laughs> the American take on Fist of the North Star. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I'm going to get into some speculation. I have, like, no supporting evidence other than vibes Wonderful. We love to just go off the vibes. <laughs> so I, I don't want to say that the Giver was like the angel of death for anime adaptions, but it was probably the first one the US tried and 
there have been way more misses than hits at this point. Like, if we're talking financial or just, like, audience reactions, they've all be kind of yikes. They've all been lukewarm at best. Like, I can't, I yeah. literally cannot think of any that have any sort of high or even, like, moderately good praise. Yeah. So, in 2008, we have Speed Racer. Oh, no, that's right. <laughs> I had forgotten. <laughs> I remember the hype for Speed Racer, and then I remember people, like, not talking about it anymore. God. All I know about the movie is that it was pretty mediocre. Yeah. And then in 2009, we have everyone's favorite, Dragon Ball Evolution. Oh, God. (laughs) I also have not seen Dragon Ball for comparison, but it's not a great movie. In 2014, we have Edge of Tomorrow, which is based on a manga or a light novel called All You Need Is Kill. Edge of Tomorrow stars Tom Cruise. Dude, I don't even remember this. Like, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to like draw up any sort of advertising that I may have seen. I don't, I couldn't tell you what the fuck this is, and I'm not gonna look it up. It's, like, very faintly familiar. Like, the only reason it's on my list is because Zach reminded me that it exists. And they actually changed the setting and the characters. Of course they did. And the ending. Oh, God. So it's, like, set in New York and London, I think, instead of in Asia. The main character isn't Japanese anymore. And... It was reviewed positively, and it did great in the box office, apparently. And it's probably the only success on this list, except for the fact that they cast, like, one Japanese actor in a minor role and pretty much whitewashed most of it. So, not great. Um, 2017, we have Netflix's Death Note. Um, not fun. (laughs) Uh, Don't watch it. Don't watch it. Um... So don't watch it high. Don't watch it drunk. Don't watch it. It's a bad time. There's only two good things about it and they don't even, it's not even worth watching it for those two good things. It's not. It's absolutely not. It's a shitty movie. (laughs) Just go watch the new Spider-Man if you want to see unhinged William Dafoe instead. (laughs) It's fine. It's basically the same fucking character. And then in 2017, we also have Ghost in the Shell with Asian actress (laughs) Scarlett Johansson. Known Asian. (laughs) I refuse to see it on principle. Uh, Apparently, it was a huge disappointment for people who have seen the anime and anyone who went to see it just for fun. So I feel very vindicated. And 2019, we got Alita Battle Angel. Oh, God. (sighs) Yeah, everyone forgot about this one. And I'm actually a fan of Alita Battle Angel. That's some of the first, like, mature manga I ever read. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's not a good movie. Well, um, so, like, I haven't read the source material, and I went in with my expectations, like, on the ground. Like, I was going in expecting a bad time. I was so ready to hate it, but, like, I actually kind of enjoyed it. But that might be because I haven't seen the original and I went in with like basically no expectations and it's just kind of fun. Yeah, it's it's definitely like fun. And I think they did what they could because it is a really involved story. 
Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's wild. It is very involved. <laughs> yeah, I remember hating the whole, like, because they made the main character's eyes really big with CG. Yeah, that was a very strange choice. Yeah, like, it, it's... You get used to it when you're watching the movie. Granted, I only watched it once in theaters, like, 300 years ago, so my opinion might change if I ever watched it again, but... I still don't know if I 100% agree with that decision, because at the time it felt a lot like, what is anime but girls with big eyes? Yeah, it was... That's still a decision that I'm really not sure why they did that, because it's not going to age well, and it already looked bad to begin with. Yeah, I mean, maybe my opinion will change if I ever rewatch it, but like, it was not... It ended up somehow not being, like, the most jarring thing to watch. Yeah. And I think it's because, like, part of the reason why I actually liked it was because they have a good, solid three-act structure. So they introduce, like, the world and the stakes and the conflicts, and it doesn't feel like... I didn't sit there feeling the runtime. Like, I wasn't in, like, 30 minutes in and being like, dear God, get me out of here. Mm -hmm. They didn't turn Alita into, like, a girl boss with no substance. And I feel like they treated it like any other, like, Western movie instead of this, like, exotic spectacle like they do a lot with other anime adaptions. They're like, yeah, that's fair. weird. So, like, the movie has to be weird. And I hate that shit. And they didn't do that with this. Yeah, that that's fair. Yeah. But, like, it didn't, it, like, didn't make its money back at all. Like, no one wanted to see this movie. No. So, yeah. And then... We got Cowboy Bebop. I will say, though, that one of the only ones that ever, like, not anime, but, like, Japanese adaptations that ever really took off and did well in the West was actually Ring, which is based off of a light Mm. novel, not an anime or anything. It was a light novel. Mm -hmm. That's about one of the only ones that ever did good (laughs) or well in any capacity. Yeah, I noticed patterns, like, the ones that tend to do well are ones that aren't based on anime for some reason, and I wonder if it's because whenever a creative team or a director or producer or something is involved in trying to adapt it, they get really hung up on the visuals and translating those, and I guess there's, like, more of a history with translating, like, written work to screen yeah, because then it can be whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And I think the same kind of thing happens with remakes, too. Like, most remakes are just kind of shitty cash grabs. Yeah. <sighs> um, I'm trying to think of, like, a remake that was good. It. I feel like there's at least one. Yeah. It 2017, baby. <laughs> I can only really talk about, like, horror movie remakes, but, like, It 2017, yeah. my fucking beloved. I love it 2017. I think it's a solid adaption of of the work. Mm-hmm. I'm also biased, but I wouldn't know because I'm a huge weenie and I can't watch horror movies. Oh no, <laughs> it's not that bad. The first one is definitely more of like a coming of age story. There just happens to be a homicidal uh, <laughs> supernatural clown murderer murderer that eats children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Don't, no. No, thank you. Um. Fair enough. Have a nice day. <laughs> so, Cowboy Bebop. Oh, <laughs> So, a little background. It was announced in 2017. Really? 
Yes. It was announced a long time ago before it actually ended up being released. Whoa. It was in production for a long time, and then it got held back by John Cho being injured during filming. And then the little pandemic that's been happening for the past, like, um... 300 years? Yeah, you know. Um, (laughs) You know, that little thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So, from the sounds of it, it seems like they went in with good intentions. So they had the original director as a creative consultant, um, Shinichiro Watanabe. John Cho wouldn't even do the thing until Yoko Kano, who did the original opening theme, was on board. Oh, thank God. Bless you, John Cho. Right? (laughs) Which kind of sucks, because apparently Watanabe was like, I don't know if they actually looked at the notes I gave them. (laughs) Which, you know, is always a good sign. Oh, no. Um, (laughs) And then another thing they did was they looked at Western inspirations for the original Cowboy Bebop rather than other anime or other live-action adaptions of anime. So they watched, like, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Dirty Harry, Lethal Weapon, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. These, like westerns basically yeah really famous action movies Mm -hmm. so i see like a couple pros and cons to this approach on the pro side if you're only looking at western film you're using something that you and your audience are already familiar with so it's a good starting point at least visually because the show visually is very creative and, and interesting and very well thought out and at least like in the background of a lot of scenes, you can see just how much effort they put into creating this world. Yeah, no, visually, I have no issues with the set design or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like, visually, it is a treat to look at. Mm-hmm. On the cons list, the show feels a lot like it's all style and no substance. Mm-hmm. And also, people still watch action movies for entertainment value, but also... When people watch Cowboy Bebop and look back on it and, like, what made that show so interesting, I think it's less about, like, all the cool guy fighting good scenes and it's about, like, the themes that are brought up in the original. It's the found family. Everyone is an asshole hot mess, but they're a hot mess together. Yeah, so I think the show gets, like, the hot mess found family bit, but then when it tries to do stuff like criticizing corporations or capitalism it like falls flat on its ass oh god yeah i have a lot of issues with the changes they made to like the eco-terrorist episode yeah it's bad like watching that watching how they adapted it and then when i went back and watched the original episode where they show up it's just so vastly different like yeah that one was rough yeah not not great not not a fun time um But, so, I'm going to assume, if you're listening to this, that you have some familiarity with Cowboy Bebop, have either watched the anime or the Netflix show, or know kind of a vague version of the plot through osmosis or something. But basically, Cowboy Bebop is a space western, and the show will straight up forget about Spike for entire episodes sometimes because it knows that he is not the most interesting thing about this universe that they've created. Exactly. So that's why it's so much more interesting when his story and past reappears in the story. And like, Spike is already full of himself enough without the show also being up his ass. 
So, like, it's way more compelling when you dive into other people's stories and then sprinkle in a little, like, oh, why does Spike have these memories of, like, a Rose and this woman who he clearly has a lot of baggage about? Like, who is she? Never mind, we're going to look at, like, eco-terrorism now. Yeah, baggage the show. (laughs) Yeah. And I really like how the original balances that out, where it, like, knows that I don't know, it just makes it way more interesting when Vicious shows up and you don't know who he is or what his whole deal is. Because he's like a mysterious figure from Spike's past and we don't know anything about him. Ugh. Yeah. I prefer that so much. Ugh. All the things they did to him. Um, Another thing is that I think one of the most interesting things about Cowboy Bebop is that is not that it's a space western, it's that it's set over a hundred years in the future and people are still going through the same shit, like still trying to just get through it. They're still selfish and petty, but also brave and selfless. Yeah, just in space now. Yeah, <laughs> like people still have to like scrape money together to afford to eat and like pay medical bills and something, which is both like kind of fucked up because a hundred years in the future and people still like can't afford medicine. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's it's really bleak when you think about it. Like, the world that was created for Cowboy Bebop is super interesting. Like, love mm-hmm. analog sci-fi where everything looks like it's in the 80s, but it's the future. Mm-hmm. But just, it's so, like, once you get past the the funny haha shenanigans, it is a very bleak take on a future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I think, like, it just feels very, like, it's not trying to create this space utopia. It's kind of like, this is what the world will look like in a hundred years because people haven't really changed. Like, we have all of this technology, but we haven't really changed socially. So, yeah, you still have poverty. You still have, like... Here, here's the thing. Uh, it's looking more and more likely every fucking year. Ah! <laughs> uh, <laughs> my other complaint is, I don't know why the Netflix version decided to expand on the whole Spike vicious Julia conflict while also making all of their characters worse. They literally could have focused on anything else. Literally anything else because like that whole drama takes up like a tiny fraction of the show so i don't know why they expanded on like the part of the anime with the least content yeah isn't it like 15 like 10 or 15 total minutes between the entire run of the show (laughs) like it's it's nothing it means nothing like there are some episodes that focus on it explicitly but it's not like every single episode brings it up. And, like, on one hand, I understand, like, oh, this is an interesting angle to look at the show from. Let's use that for the adaption. But they didn't do it in a way that is in any way fun to watch. And I think most of the problem comes from what they did to Vicious. Yeah, that is really my least favorite part. Like, if all of the stuff with Vicious could be removed... Mm-hmm. I'd have a much better time watching it, honestly. I think everybody would. <laughs> yeah, it's like bad. Yeah, I just, I feel like the show was worried that if the camera wasn't trained on John Cho's face for 60% of an episode, that the audience wouldn't pay attention. Which, like, 
have more confidence in your character writing and world building and stuff. Like you do not need to focus on just the hero because Spike yeah. isn't even really a hero. He's just a dick who happens to be the main character. He's a dickhead. He's just the main character. Exactly. Yeah. And like he can be charming as well, but like he should not be the main focus of the show because I don't think he can carry it that way. No, and that clearly wasn't the intent in the original in the original series either. That's why it's a fucking three and then like four person main cast. Mm-hmm. <sighs> My other like kind of bigger picture gripes are um why is this show so horny? <laughs> like because they put Faye in clothes, so they had to put the horny somewhere else. No. Like, even the original isn't this horny, and, like, Faye's boobs just, like, juggle Defy around gravity. like melons. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Like, I'm still, like, confused by... So, Spike and Jet are working a case, basically, and they're running around trying to get, like some witness who knows something to, like, catch the bounty they're after. Mm-hmm. And they end up in, like, a brothel or something, and they talk to a dominatrix. And I I don't know why they act like the joke is that kink is funny, I guess. And it's, like, funny that they are... Because for some reason, they, like, walk in while this woman is working, and she's yeah. seeing clients. And, like, why do they have no privacy? But also, like, I guess the joke is that, like, at least one of them is into, like, being dominated, obviously. But it's, like, that's the joke? That some people have, like, weird kinks, I guess? <laughs> like, And in that case, completely normal and vanilla. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it was like, definitely really weird. Like, it was very childish, honestly. Yeah. Like, are we, are we 16? Like, do you want to throw a poop joke in there, too? Like, what's happening? Would you... God, yeah, no. <laughs> like, I don't... What, what, was, what was the point of that scene? Like, that's... You're not even drawing from... Unless I missed it. You're not even drawing from, like, the original there. Yeah, it was really weird. Ah, uh, I hated it. And... Okay. I'm gonna get into the characters. Oh boy, let's fucking go. Um, I'm actually going to start with Gren because we've had discussions about this because I think Gren is... I don't think they're like a bad version of the character. I'm just kind of confused as to how they're going with it and reading interviews with the actor that plays that character i feel like the actor understands a lot more what they're going for than the producers of the show yeah that was sort of the vibe i got too was that the the actor actually took the time to like research and the source material and stuff a little bit more so (laughs) yeah so their name is mason alexander park and like i love the character design. I love Gren's vibe in the show, but like, it feels like they have such wasted potential. And I think, like, we won't know because the show managed to get canceled. 
Which sucks. Yeah. Th- yeah. They're already working on season two. And I guess there's a petition now to um, have someone pick it up to actually make that season at least. But it's like, we'll, we'll never know, I guess, what their vision for Gren was. Because if Gren got another season, I could see how they could work with that character. Mm-hmm. And I think I trust that actor a lot more to understand what they're going for than, like, anyone behind the scenes, I guess. Any of the executives working on it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was definitely, like, I know there was a lot of controversy about it, but the people who seemed to be complaining the most were cishet people. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of queer people understand that, like, gender is complicated, and it's super cool to see, like, a complicated kind of depiction of that character because i don't think the original gren was meant to be trans no it was the original setup was forced experimentation Mm -hmm. which is you know feels icky (laughs) Mm -hmm. the thing i found interesting about gren especially when i rewatched the episode he shows up in is that I don't know if it's because he knows that he's going to die soon, but he doesn't have the kind of dysphoria I'd expect from, like, a cis person to have, basically being forced onto hormones. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if, like, his gender was already fluid or he's just a chill character or what, but I thought it was very interesting how, like, he's kind of going through this change that most people around him don't understand And he keeps a distance between himself and other people. But the conflict in that reveal is not the fact that he has this body that isn't typical for a male person. It's that it's the way Faye reacts to it. Yeah. Which I think is like very typical in the 90s because like pretty much every trans, every depiction of trans people around that time was like trans people are liars, especially trans women. Yeah, like, there is a whole gratuitous, like, five, ten minute scene in Ace Ventura, of all movies, where, like, Jim Carrey's character vomits for, like, five minutes because he found out a character was trans. Like, this is not a good time for trans representation. It's really not. Which is why I find Gren so interesting, because, like, the scary part is not that he may or may not be trans, it's that, like, he went through this horrible thing... And there's kind of nothing he can do about it. And the people who he thought would help him through it just aren't there. And I don't know if there's necessarily anything to fix there. And I kind of wonder, like, if you're going to make a character trans in the Netflix version, why is it Gren and not another character? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I do wonder why... Like, I think Park did a great job with what they were given, but, like, it kind of feels like cis people saw this character and were like, oh, what if we made them trans without, like, really understanding what that necessarily means? Yeah, it it feels like, like, even though, you know, we do have Gren being played by an actor who understands the experience, Mm -hmm. it still feels very, like, an experience codified and seen through, like, cishet people. Yeah, a little bit. It's just unfortunate because, like, they're such a background character and they're kind of like an elevated extra for a lot of season one. So it kind of feels like I don't know why this character is even in the background here. Yeah. But 
they just they deserve so much better. Yeah, genuinely. So vicious. Oh god. Um, my detested. <laughs> our detest. Our detested. <laughs> so like when he shows up in, I think it's the first episode of the live action. I thought, because like they do that thing where you like you don't really see his face, which is similar to how it is in the anime, where like. Faye is the one who accidentally stumbles into something that he is doing, basically. And when he shows up, you can immediately tell that he's, like, this unhinged, extremely dangerous person. But you don't know that he's connected to Spike? God, no, but, like, oh, God. Like, even in his introduction, like, it's just so unnecessarily over the top that he doesn't feel like a threat. He just feels like a clown. He feels like... (laughs) Like a cosplayer who's just way too serious about it. Yeah. Like he has a collection of katana at home that he's really proud of, but in a really obnoxious way. Yeah. So like the whole time he just, he cries and throws tantrums and just acts like an overgrown man child the entire time. Like you could remove his entire storyline and it would actually improve the story, which is bad because he's most of the story. Yeah. Like, the original Vicious just kind of lurks in the background until he's needed to advance Spike's backstory. He's ruthless and unhinged, and he doesn't need a tragic backstory to be impactful or to be Spike's foil, basically. Yeah. Like, you can tell that Spike and Vicious, like, were friends and really close at one point, but, like, I don't need to know that Vicious has, like, daddy issues, basically. I, I'm sorry. I don't think any of us fucking give a shit. Like, boohoo, cool. You have you have daddy issues at Hoomst among us. Like, cool, cool motives still murder. Fuck off. <laughs> like, it'd be one thing if he was, like, constantly desperate for his dad's approval, but he's also, like, whiny and pathetic on top of that. So I don't know he's if I'm, like, so supposed to feel pathetic. sorry for him or, like, hope he gets murdered. Because I mostly just hope he gets murdered. I want to kick his ass myself. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, like, it would have been cool if, like, he was this kind of, like, unhinged but, like, very cold character, I guess, until the very end where he just snaps, which is very, like, cliche, but it still would have been way more interesting than what they actually did. Mm -hmm. He's not fun to watch. Like, he's not even, like, we've already covered, he's not even an interesting character that you like to hate. (laughs) He's just annoying. He's literally just annoying. I I cannot fucking stand him. Like, I can forgive basically everything else. Honestly, Mm -hmm. for the most part. I just, I literally cannot stand him. Genuinely. Like, I don't, this is bad. It's just, every time he showed up, it was like, oh, cool, built-in bathroom break. Like, not fun to watch. Yeah. (laughs) And then speaking of the whole, like, vicious side of things, the things they did to Julia. Hmm. I can't remember who in the Discord made this joke, but they were like, Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss. And I was like, haha, funny. And then I watched the episode where she gets girl bossified and I wanted to scream. Oh, no. I never even got that far. That's unfortunate. Oh. Oh, buddy. I don't care. Um. Oh no! Yeah, I'm. I'm assuming if you're listening to this, uh, you don't care about spoilers because I don't. Just go. Just go on. It's like what ten episodes. We can put a spoiler warning at the beginning. 
I just add one in. Hey, spoiler warning, Suzanne, in the future, cut this, cut me saying this and put it at the beginning. Spoiler warning, <laughs> if you, for both Cowboy Bebop and the shitty live action one that we're talking about, maybe not shitty, we're still, we're still talking about it. Just spoiler warning for Cowboy Bebop. Problem solved. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I was talking to Zach about this, and he basically made a good point, which is that if we had seen less of Julia, it would have been a way more interesting twist at the end. Like, if we'd only gotten hints of her plan, it would have been surprising when she showed up at the end. See, that's fair. Mm Mm-hmm. So basically, the thing with Julia in the original is that she's kind of like the girl who's also kind of the prize, which is unfortunate. Um, Yeah. But he's basically like Spike's first love essentially and when he leaves the syndicate um or this pretty much this crime syndicate he's part of he wants her to go with him and she doesn't and he's like still a lot of his baggage is like still being torn up about it it's just like buddy (laughs) buddy i think in the show it might be no because julia ends up with vicious uh, yes. Mostly because she thinks that Spike is dead. And so in the Netflix version, Vicious and Julia are married. And for a lot of the show, the relationship comes off as like, it was good once. And sometimes he gets violent with me, but he doesn't mean it. Yeah, it was really kind of gross, honestly. Which could yeah. have been interesting if anything else was done with it. <laughs> hmm I think they wanted to give her more agency because she kind of didn't have it in the original. Yeah. But the way they go about it, they do not build up to it in a way that makes sense. So I think it's like episode four of the live action where Vicious is doing his like villain monologue or something about something else. And up until this point, Julia has been like, meekly in the corner not really saying much trying not to make vicious angry so he doesn't hit her and then for some reason midway through the scene she just changes and she's like wait have you thought about like taking over the syndicate instead and it just comes out of fucking nowhere like i don't know if i missed it because i was looking at twitter for too long like 20 minutes earlier but to me it just like came out of nowhere Because basically she devises this plan where if she gets Vicious to start basically a civil war in the syndicate, he will get his ass kicked and then she can take over. Which is like interesting in theory, but like her heel turn doesn't make any sense because there's no lead up to it. Like there's no, I would have run with it if there was some evidence of her being manipulative before. Like maybe we see Spike, because we see a lot of memories a lot of Spike's memories with her. Yeah. And if there had been some evidence that, like, he remembers things differently from her, or, like, when they do those flashbacks, if it's, like, if she's just acting kind of off and Spike doesn't notice, like, that would have been interesting, but that doesn't happen. Like, it's played very straight. So, like, I don't understand why they did this with her character. So there's, like, her plotting in the background through the season, and then... Near the end, the fight in the church happens, and Vicious and Spike are, like, beating the shit out of each other, and she just shows up, and, like, 
she's evil now and God. spike and vicious look at her like what the fuck uh i think it's the last episode or something it's like it's it's trying to set up julia as like the mastermind of something or <sighs> i understand what they're going for they did it bad though yeah no i hmm i don't like that <laughs> no it's bad it's like a great idea on paper but like there's no lead up to it there's no like it feels like i'm reading a fanfic that was written on the fly and they thought like wouldn't it be cool if julia was a girl boss and like just decided to throw it in there what if we girl bossified her oh god it has the vibe of something that was like someone threw out an idea and they were like, okay, go write that episode. And then like, didn't like meet up afterwards to make sure the timeline made sense or something. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's, I feel like that would have been so good if it was built up better mm-hmm. in any way. Mm-hmm. It would have been so interesting. Mm-hmm. And it just instead. It dis- wasn't. Disappointing. <sighs> and speaking of other female characters, Faye. My beloved. Um <laughs> So, like we said before, her costume, excellent adaption. Ten out of ten, Ooh. no notes. Added bonus of pissing off fanboys. It's a great costume. Absolutely. As we've sh- said on the show before, we love a good titty, but her OG outfit made no sense, especially for her job description. Um, no boob support whatsoever. Really and at. truly. Not a good time. As, as both boob havers and boob <laughs> enjoyers, like, what a fucking mess of an outfit. I kind of want a pin that just says boob enjoyer, but I feel like that would not go down well. If I make a custom one, I'll order you one too. <laughs> known titty enjoyer (laughs) (laughs) and yeah so in the original anime i don't know what it is exactly about her character but i found her less annoying in the netflix version yeah no i love her yeah her whole character just being annoying and causing problems on purpose but i think her actor does a really good job of making her kind of like, I don't know. Like, I don't think I could ever be friends with her. Like I'd fucking hate her in real life, but she's so fun to watch. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. I love how her depiction of Faye is like, Faye is, is a selfish sort of unrepented asshole, but that's why Mm -hmm. she works so good with Jet and, and Spike because they're all assholes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I got a little worried in the live action that they were going to do something drastic like reunite Faye with her parents or something because in the original um her whole story is that she got into an accident in basically probably like the time the anime was set in so like the 90s so I don't know if they Mm -hmm. like updated it to be like the 2020s or whatever in the live action but basically she's like frozen at that time because they don't have the technology to save her and then when they unfreeze her, it's like a hundred years in the future, everyone she knows is dead, and she suddenly owes like millions of dollars for this treatment she didn't ask for. Yeah. So like her kind of driving conflict is her trying to figure out how to pay the money, but also like who she was, because when she wakes up, she doesn't remember who she was. Like 
the name Faye Valentine might not even be her name. It's a name that was given to her by the doctor who revived her and who also revived her on purpose because he knew that she didn't have the money to be alive. So like they pretty much woke her up into debt on purpose um, because they had this whole plan to like load her with their own debt and then run away. Like her story really and truly is fucked. Yeah, it's super interesting, especially for a character like Faye, because it's kind of like she's a very good con woman. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting seeing like something shitty happen to her, but then also find out that she's just kind of a shitty, selfish person. Yeah, um, I love her. Mm-hmm. Genuinely, like I do love her as a character. Um, I think yeah. that she's fascinating because, like, she again, like you like you just said, she's had this awful thing happen to her, but she is also like not a good person. Mm-hmm. Like she has her moments. Like she, her first sign of growth is when, when Spike and Jet are in trouble, and she actually goes back instead of saving her own ass. Yeah, which is like it's cute. It shows that like she can't be uh, selfless and she can like care about other people, but she'd rather not. Which it's is a cool. Hassle. I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I love her. I think she's a fascinating character. Genuinely, mm-hmm. another thing they added with her is her sexuality. I like that she is queer question mark. So, like, she's definitely into at least one woman, but hasn't really figured out her sexuality yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't know if she's bi or gay or something else. But she is one of us. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's handled pretty well. I think that's because media has had more time to adjust to, to the idea of gay people in general. Um, yeah. Which is... Why the Faye might be queer storyline is good, but the Gren is trans one feels very clumsy. Yeah, no, that's fair. Mm-hmm. It's like, I like that about her. I like that that's something she's figuring out. I like that she has a maybe girlfriend. They're cute together. Might never get a season two, so we'll never see how that pans out. But I thought it was handled better than I expected. Like, it wasn't turned into, like, a spectacle because, like, lesbians were hot. Like, it wasn't that kind of thing. Yeah. Which I appreciate. And then, connected to Faye's backstory, when she was woken up, this guy showed up out of nowhere basically to save her, and his name was Whitney Haggis Matsumoto, mm-hmm. um, which is, like, a wild name, but pretty typical for anime, to be honest. And basically, he, like, whisked her away... And said, like, don't worry, I'll protect you from these loan sharks trying to get you um, and your medical debt. And they have this, like, whirlwind romance. And then he fakes his death. And while Faye is, like, devastated, she gets the will. And he left everything he owned to her. And she's so touched until she realizes that he left her all of his debts. So now she's in even more debt than she was before. Oh, no. And then in the original, I think in the same episode, we find out her backstory, Whitney shows up again as a bounty because Spike and Jet catch him. Mm -hmm. And that story kind of concludes with, like, they put him away and they collect the bounty. And it's kind of implied that Whitney did love Faye, but, like, didn't really want to admit it because that's not the kind of character he is. Mm -hmm. Um, In the Netflix version... Whitney is Faye's basically adopted mom. Yeah. And 
I like the dysfunctional mother-daughter dynamic. And they're a great con team. And it's fun seeing them interact with each other. But they horribly, horribly ruined it by basically making the conclusion of the episode that Whitney was looking for Faye's help because, like, there was there was no, like, conflict there. She was just doing a kink thing with her boyfriend. Like, Ugh. the whole conflict of that episode is Whitney shows up and is like, Faye, I need your help. There's this guy after me who's going to kill me. So she, like, runs around space trying to help her and then eventually it turns out, like, oh, no, we're just doing this, like, extensive role play. like what is that (laughs) there's like no consequences for anybody like i guess that's supposed to be the closure that i guess whitney was always just kind of a terrible person and maybe did care about Faye, but who cares because we gotta make another kink joke like it wasn't even funny (laughs) like it was a shitty conclusion it didn't really make any sense it felt like a huge waste of time yeah i don't I, I just, I didn't like it. They make Whitney's manipulation look more like a cute quirk than like a dangerous character flaw. And yeah, she basically like faces no consequences for it. Like there's no part at the end where it's like Whitney's going to go after Faye because Faye steals one of Whitney's ships. But it's mm-hmm. not like Whitney is like, I have to go after her. It's just kind of like, oh, you know how kids are. Like, what the what the fuck is that? It felt like they couldn't decide like what they really yeah. wanted to do with the character. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, oh, we can't give Faye her own background arc because we have to focus on Spike and Vicious. Yeah, which is to the detriment of literally everyone else. Yup. Okay, so Spike. Love John Cho. Great actor. But he's playing a character that's still, like, 27 at heart. Like... So apparently they deliberately cast older actors because they wanted characters with more life experience. Yeah, which makes sense considering how much of, like, of a lead-up implied of, like... Like, Spike would have needed to work for the Syndicate more, like, for a longer time and be an older man Mm -hmm. for, like, all of that to work compared to how it is in the original show where everyone is what in their early 20s they're like late 20s but okay like yeah. mi- mid late 20s mhm so i guess they wanted that kind of space to tell stories like jet's daughter and his ex-wife and like spike's history with the syndicate like mm-hmm. interesting in theory but spike ends up feeling stunted rather than like a crabby older man with a past which i think is what they were going for yeah <sighs> Like, why, why did, why did they give him, like, a code name like Fearless? Why? Why is that there? What, what was, what was the point? It just feels stupid. That's like a petty gripe, but like, why? I, I don't know. All the names are kind of dumb, honestly. <laughs> the code names. Yeah. That's like not even the worst thing that the show does. But like, I just remember watching the show and being like, how is this character and how is this version going to handle something like, um, I think it's episode six called sympathy for the devil. So this episode is about a kid who, he was on earth when a space gate exploded and space gates were like how 
ships travel between vast distances in space in a shorter amount of time. So at one point it exploded and basically destroyed half the planet. Mm-hmm. And this kid was there during that horrible accident and it affected him where he just stopped aging at that point. I think he was like 10 years old. So when the story catches up to him, he's like a hundred and something, but still looks 10. So he's like a fucked up little gremlin child. Fucked up little gremlin child. (laughs) And basically like, it's one of those stories where like Spike is not the most interesting or important character in it. He's just kind of there to finish something that another character couldn't basically. And so eventually Spike figures out a way to kill him because this kid is like, immortal like he can't be shot he he can't die so they basically have to find like a special gun with a special bullet to shoot him with oh my god (laughs) special bullets yeah it's funny because like jet analyzes this like basically like the metal they have to use to make the bullet he's like explaining the science and stuff and spike is like i don't get it and jet's like yeah i don't get it either but whatever just shoot him with it So, like, Spike kills him, and then this kid is, like, basically he says, like, do you know how lucky you are to be able to age and die? And, like, I rewatched the episode recently, and I was like, holy shit, this works on multiple levels, because Spike is young enough to kind of, like, he's experienced what it's like to almost die, but also, like, he's young enough to still have that kind of arrogance that comes with youth. Mm Mm-hmm. I think, like, he's a kind of character who knows, like, like his time is up at any second. But the thing that stood out to me is, like, this character saying, do you know how lucky you are to be able to age? Because Spike dies at the end of the show when he's still, like, what, 27, 28? And, like... Yeah. That seems like they had a plan going into this. <sighs> wow, imagine having a plan. And, like, how is how is Netflix Bebop supposed to do something like that when it seems like they did everything on the fly? Like, yeah. That's, uh, hmm. It makes me so sad to see them take all of the potential and just flush it down the toilet. I don't know if I get Spike's character in the Netflix version. Like, he's not charming in the same way. He's just an old mm-hmm. man who looks like he has a mortgage. Like, he has, John Cho has a face that knows what a 401k is, and it doesn't work. Which, like, usually love that, but does not work for Spike. <laughs> he has a face that looks like it's done taxes. You can't tell me Spike has ever done taxes. <laughs> yeah, Spike spends all of his money getting his stupid suit dry cleaned. Like, he... Oh my god. <laughs> this man does not plan for the future. No. They changed Anna's character. So she's, like, kind of an ascended extra. Mm. And... <clears throat> I don't know if I fully understand this whole, like, Anna's bar basically being the backdrop for all, like, the syndicate drama to happen, but it's whatever. I mean, she was at least interesting. Like, it's cool to see an older person of color. Right? Yeah. It's the, the the black lady who's the bar owner? I'm not misremembering something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just, she's kind of used as, like, the wise, not, like, magical Negro, but she's kind of, like, the support it does sort of border on that just a little bit. Just a just a smidge, just a just a little bit. She's like the strong black woman and mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put that one aside for a hot second and talk about Jet. Oh boy. 
<laughs> which I who I think is like a very good casting decision and a good interpretation of his character and I think the actor does like a great job playing this character yeah 100 100% yeah and it seems like he had a really fun time in this role like however every time I think about the lost potential of the show one thing that sticks out to me is that the story kind of suffers a little bit from the dark-skinned black man light-skinned wife trope Oh, yeah, no, that was like, hmm, like, you couldn't, why? Why was, mm-hmm. why did he have, why? Mm-hmm. Interesting how you chose to do that. It's even worse because his ex, his shitty ex-partner who stole his wife is a white man. So it's like, uh, I don't know, it just, the whole situation is icky. Yep. Gross. Why, why was that choice made? And... Yeah, it's also weird that race is basically never addressed unless it's for the worst fucking joke of all time. Oh, God. I (sighs) fucking. Yeah, you know, this part is bad. It's so bad. It's not even a it's not even like a macro aggression. It's just the worst. It's like. (sighs) I saw like screenshots of the last part and it's like. Even in context, it's bad. Like, it's not the kind of thing where, like, oh, someone took this screenshot out of context and it's actually, like, different. No, it's it's that bad. So basically, the context is that Jet and Spike need a lead on a bounty. And Jet says he knows someone who might have a lead. He calls her up and asks her for a favor. And she basically tries to play, like, hard to get. And she's doing this, like, very uncomfortable flirting that Jet does not reciprocate. It's implied no. that they, like, hooked up once a long time ago. Jet is clearly no longer interested. And <sighs> I guess the joke is that, like, she's older and that's gross, which is bad on multiple levels. Yeah. But then it gets worse because at the very end she says, Yeah, I want to hook up with you because, Jet, you're black and you're male. Which, like... It's so bad. It's so bad. What the fuck? Literally the fucking worst. What is that? Why? (sighs) (sighs) Just... Oh, God. Uh, I don't know if there's any point in unpacking that, or if we we should just throw away the whole suitcase, because... Throw away the whole suitcase. I can't. Because basically at the end it's treated like, oh, that was weird and uncomfortable because you're not into her. As opposed to it being like violently racist. Like it's not like, okay, I don't know who needs to hear this, but listen very carefully if you're not black. It is not a compliment to tell a black person that you're into them because they're black. Because that's gross to be reduced to something you cannot control and then being expected to think that it's a compliment that this person doesn't actually think of you as a human being but thinks of you as like a sexual object or conquest it's nasty don't do that shit and especially don't tell people they're really pretty for a black person that's nasty stop it the amount yeah. of times people have said that to me and been like, oh, no, it's a compliment. You should take it. Like, com- like, what the fuck are you talking about? I do not think that means what you think it means. <sighs> it definitely does not. Fuck off and die. I'm just taking uh, you firmly by the shoulders. Cut that shit out. Yeah. 
Um, hmm. <laughs> Absolutely wretched, thanks. <laughs> the vibes are rancid. Vibes are absolutely rancid. <laughs> it was just especially shitty because, like, if they can't even handle race in a way that is, like, not deeply uncomfortable, then what hope does the show have of covering stuff like emotional trauma or environmental destruction or poverty and inequality? Spoiler, it handles all of these with embarrassing clumsiness. Like, it's so superficial that it just feels condescending. Yeah. It feels like somebody took, like, a Soch 101 class, like, freshman year of college, at best, and it's just so mishandled at every turn, and it's so just depressing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It really (laughs) is. Um, I also want to me- wanted to mention Edward, who is such a fun character in the oh. original. <laughs> I don't know why my brain was like, okay, but why are we switching to Twilight? What does he have to do with this? <laughs> so Edward Cullen. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm very tempted to start like a Twilight podcast, but I do not have the time. Uh, and you'd be doing it on your own. I'm sorry. I mean, I'd sit there and listen to you ramble at it about, like, ramble at it, about it at me. But, like, then I'd also make you listen to me talk about JoJo or Star Wars in retaliation. <laughs> have you have you read the books? Yes. Okay. Because I feel like it would be fun to do if, like, it was me and someone else who, like, who hasn't read them. Uh. I want to listen to you go off on Twilight to someone who absolutely <laughs> doesn't know anything about Twilight. I would listen to that. That cannot be me, unfortunately, because I am cursed with knowledge. I just need to find someone who will listen to me talk their ear off and will also like do the editing because I don't have time. Yeah, fair enough. Um. <laughs> so yeah, Edward. Hold on. What's the full name? Because it's very funny. <laughs> the like eight eight name long name yeah exactly the kind of name you'd expect a 13 year old child to give them give themselves god what a mood <laughs> her name is edward wong how pepelu tiviruski the fourth oh my god i forget <laughs> i always forget because <laughs> my brain's just like oh no that's ed from you know the <laughs> bebop of cowboys yeah cowboy bebop on his computer it's him, Cowboy Bebop, the hacker. <laughs> oh my god. So, I don't know if it originated on Twitter, but that's how I saw it. But someone posted Ed's reveal out of context just on Twitter. Um, and apparently, uh-huh. Ed only shows up in the last like 30 seconds of the very last episode as kind of like a teaser for season two, basically. Which is not happening, yeah. <laughs> I understand what they were going for with, like, intrigue and, like, ooh, who's this character? Ooh, if you've already seen the anime, you know who it is. Ooh, isn't this exciting? Um, No, it's not. But I remember I saw it and I was like, oh, this is a parody, right? Like, this is just someone fucking around with, like, I guess a weird amount of, like, dedication to the cosplay. But, like, this isn't real. Right? Um. (laughs) Surprise. This is the worst gift I could ever be given. Enjoy. <laughs> it's just, it has the energy of like 
every Hitalia fan from 2008. It has the energy oh, of people who, no. like, went to cons and glomped each other. It has the energy of a kid wearing their Naruto headband at school. If my parents had let me, I would have worn cat ears to school, probably. Um, I, wore so, my Nar- I, I wore my Naruto headband to school. Yeah. Deadass so, like, on God. <laughs> like, we're dunking on ourselves. Like, yeah, preteens so like, and teenagers can be cringe, but mm-hmm. this is on a different level. It's just, like, deeply uncomfortable to watch. Like, the original Ed is, like, there's just something about her character that's, like, she's very weird, but it's very endearing. Because that's just who Mm -hmm. she is. Like, she's not putting on a character or anything. Like, that's just, she's just saying shit as it comes into her head. And she's just having a great time. And she has, like, obviously a past and trauma and stuff. But, like, she's just a very inherently cheerful character. And you kind of get that from the first moments that you meet her. And I don't know if it's because, like, the actor is older. I've seen, like, a brief interview with them. And the thing that makes me so sad about this is that the actor seems like a queer kid who's, like, super excited about being in an adaption for a great show. And I was so afraid that the internet would just tear them apart to the point where they'd probably, be very mean. "Mm Mm-hmm. Because, like, I think kids should have the space to be, like, awkward and weird and cringy and just uncomfortable to be around. Because, like, that's... You must be forged through the fires of cringe to become who you are eventually. But, like, that shouldn't happen in front of the entire internet. Especially if you're, like, thrown under the bus the way Netflix did to them. Yeah, uh, no, like, kids are allowed to be cringe. That is an inherent part of growing up. But, like, mm-hmm. I can't imagine taking on that role for a show that, you know, has, like, turned out the way it has and the reaction has turned out the way it has and then having to be a child actor going through puberty, probably, mm-hmm. like, in the public eye that sounds like a goddamn nightmare being a teenager was already hard enough <laughs> right <sighs> yeah it's just it's bad i don't know i don't know if there's a way to adapt ed's character that doesn't feel like that but they also changed other characters like they changed gren they changed julia they i don't know why they thought a direct translation from anime to live action for Ed was a good idea. Yeah, it was definitely a strange choice to make it, like, one-to-one like that, or attempt to, when they didn't really do that for anyone else. Everyone disliked that. Yeah. Part of me is kind of like, "Eh, I kind of hope we don't get season two, so that, like, we don't see what hard mess they made of Ed's character. Yeah. Um, Oh, God. But the morbid curiosity is still kind of there, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, like I'll post a link in the show notes so I can track down the video, but it's eh. like I get secondhand embarrassment very easily, and this was not a good time. Oof. <laughs> yeah. God, the fucking just being consumed with ease with like easy secondhand embarrassment just like makes consuming media just the worst sometimes. Yeah, there are like I was I was rewatching um Parks and Rec this past week. Mm-hmm. And first of all, that show was like violently fat phobic for like 
Oh, yeah. It's like rereading Harry Potter and like every second sentence about the Dursleys is like, whoa, these people are so evil because they're fat. Isn't it gross? And like, that's what Parks and Rec is every other second for some reason. But Which is wild, considering some of the body types of the like main character of like the main cast. Yeah, there's like an episode in there where like I couldn't finish watching it because Leslie was making such an ass of herself that was like, if I have to watch her do this, I will die on the floor. So we, I just skipped that episode. And it's not, it's not nearly as bad as Scott's Tots from The Office, which I refuse to watch ever again. Oh no. <laughs> But, um, yeah, overall with Cowboy Bebop, like, every episode just felt way longer than it had to be. Like, when I start to feel the runtime, is bad. Like, when I'm like, oh god, how long has this been this episode? is bad. Yeah. I understand why they decided to elevate the whole vicious plot to fill out the time, but they ruined everything that's compelling about his character. Like... If- they just made him like a, a whiny rich boy and i hated every second of it like they really did nothing compelling with him except to make him worse and not in like a fun tumbler my poor <laughs> little meow meow i can i can make him worse sort of unhinged way they just made him boring yeah like he's the most pathetic little man and like not even in a fun way Am I supposed to feel sorry for him? Am I supposed to be happy when Julia shows up to kick his ass? I I I don't know, but he's so he's just a pathetic little meow meow and like not even <laughs> in in any sort of compelling way. <sighs> can we talk can we real quick sidebar like I know we're an hour and a half in, but can we real quick sidebar talk about how fucking bad that wig is? I hate it. Yeah, this is a bad wig corner. That wig is the worst wig I've seen in a professional, is one of the worst that I've ever seen in a professional production. Like, it's so bad. Which is wild because we've had, a like, a trend of, like, white hair characters the past couple of years. Like, we had the fucking Targaryens in Game of Thrones and we have the Witcher right now and the Geralt's wig is fine. He looks mm-hmm. great. Why is this wig such fucking trash? This is unrelated, but I think it's very funny that I didn't recognize Henry Cavill in The Witcher, and I was like, oh, this guy's kind of hot. And then I saw Henry Cavill without the <laughs> wig, and I was like, mm, never mind. What? What's wrong with me? Yeah, that's literally the reaction of all of my, of a lot of my friends. It was just like, <laughs> he grimes up good, and he, he takes to gritty good, but like, mm-hmm. could care less about him when he's not The Witcher. <laughs> and I'm like, 100% fair, honestly. I like you better when you're you look a little fucked up. But um yeah, I I like when you're a little fucked up and and grimy and gross. Like you should make be a much worse. better Yeah, you should be made worse cuz you look better. <laughs> like you are a much better Geralt of Rivia than you are like a fucking Clark Kent, dude. <laughs> yeah, that and Ju- Julia's wig was hideous. I know. And it it only looked marginally better and that's just because it was a actual like natural color but it still was not a good wig either bad i hate i hate that wig so much (laughs) jesus christ it's just so bad it's really bad like it's frighteningly bad i don't know where they got it it's so bad the fact that it's a lace front and it looks that bad i hate it it's just 
all I can think of now is like every time the actor, like whenever Vicious is mad, and he looks like he's trying really hard not to shit, not to shit his pants, and just he looks like he's try like busting a vein in his forehead, and his wig is terrible, and he just looks like an overgrown baby, and it's <laughs> a mess, yeah. a mess. It's a mess. I it's the worst. Yeah, I just the the vibe I got from the show is kind of like like the thing that I find interesting about the original is that it's a show about regular people who do messed up things, whether it's the main cast or characters they run into over the course of the anime. The main cast is cool because they're great fighters who are armed with guns and they have some great quips in there, but they're also deeply flawed and human. And yeah. the Netflix version seems to think the best part of Cowboy Bebop is that it's a space western, um, and there are pew-pew gun fights. Yeah, which is uh, arguably the least important part of the show. <laughs> I read an article, I hope I can find it again, but it was about how like Joss Whedon has ruined TV and movies because he did the whole... like. <laughs> cool quips thing with characters which was like fun for Buffy but like now everyone's doing it like I think the most egregious one is when Faye shows up to like the cathedral fight on um she basically shows up with machine guns and she says welcome to the ouch motherfuckers which is the worst line I've ever heard hello (laughs) I don't know how that actor said that without like I don't know. I want to know how many takes it took. Too many. To do it without laughing. <laughs> like, how many times does the director have to be like, okay, no, say it again, but, like, like, how do you even direct that line? It's such a shitty, shitty line. Like, it's not... That's literally, like, something a 13-year-old fanfic writer would put in. Yeah. <laughs> Like, no offense, because we both wrote fanfic at, like, 13. Like, we're absolutely dunking on ourselves again. <laughs> but, like, that's 100% something that, like, a teenager writing fanfiction would do about these characters. Yeah, it's... It felt like it was shoehorned in, because, like, oh, this is a part for a quip. Isn't this cool and fun? And she has guns. And it's like, I'm not a child. Please stop condescending to me. It feels like a 13-year-old writing a fanfic where they realize they can put titties in it. And, like, that's... <sighs> I just don't understand, like, who the demographic for this show was. Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> and I should have met- mentioned this earlier, but, like, one of the weird condescending parts is when, like, the very first episode opens with, like, I guess this, like, terrorist group. And the leader of the group goes on this, like, extended monologue about how shitty corporations are. But it felt like... It felt like Steve Buscemi coming up to me, like, how'd you do, fellow kids? Because, like, wait, Netflix, you can't complain about corporations. You are one. <laughs> like... Yeah. Like, hey, Netflix. I can see you. That's illegal. <laughs> you can't... Is this allowed? Oh, no, in my notes I said, how do you do, fellow communists? Like. (laughs) (laughs) God. Like, you can't. I can see you hiding in the bushes trying to see what my reaction is. And it's not good. Like, this doesn't. This sucks. Who are you talking to? (laughs) 
Yeah, oh. like genuinely, I hated that episode. That episode was, and it had such a cool premise with like the the tree thing too. And then it was literally oh no, that just, like, that corporation monologue is a separate thing from the eco terrorist one, which is also oh shitty and condescending. Oh, yeah, yep. God, I mean, I I literally think my take on it is like, is it a fun show to watch to kill a couple hours? Sure. Sure. It's also, it, it is literally not the worst American adaptation of an anime I've ever seen in my life. It's, it's passable. Uh, the bar it's is fine. on the floor, so. The bar is under the ground. The bar yeah. is like in the crust of the <laughs> earth, honestly. It's passable. It's fine. It's whatever. It's genuinely, it is whatever. There was a clear effort given <laughs> In several places along the production line, mm-hmm. despite it falling flat for, you know, a myriad of reasons. But there was clearly care given somewhere, either by actors or by, like, the set designers. Like, there was care somewhere. Mm-hmm. It unfortunately still falls flat. I feel like they couldn't decide between, like, doing their own thing and trying to pay homage to the anime and yeah it attempted to make a compromise that did not pay off yeah which is tragic because clearly so much work went into it but it just kind of comes off as like kind of a mess Mm-hmm. i guess apparently netflix is also doing a one piece live action and i cannot wait for the one piece fans to find it because it's gonna be whew. oh no we know how oh, massively no. massively popular one piece is Ooh, if they fuck this up Oh, boy. I guess we'll see what happens. I fear. I fear. I have... I have many fear. I fear. (laughs) Oh, God. So do we want to talk about stuff we watched, or do we want to, like... I want to talk about stuff we watched. Why don't you go first, because I've talked a lot. (laughs) Um, I mean, literally just JoJo. That's all I've been watching. (laughs) I've just watched JoJo. Oh, I didn't even ask, of course. (laughs) Shut up. Um, <laughs> we're on season five now. We're on part five. We're with Golden Boy Geo Geo, my fucking beloved. I know it's supposed to be Jojo, but like his name is Giovanni, is Giorno Giovanni. So it's Geo Geo, and I love him. Every Everyone has titty windows. There's so many titty <laughs> windows in part five. Araki was like, what if this is... It's in Italy, right? So every fashion, right? Like weird fashion, titty win- titty windows. <laughs> everyone has it's 2001 and everyone will have a titty window. Mm-hmm. Except for f- fucking I don't know how much Have you seen part 5 of JoJo? No, I'm still like maybe halfway through Stardust Crusaders. Okay. Yeah, no, we've just been we've been going hard at it cuz I want to get to Stone Ocean. Which I absolutely forgot is like not all out on Netflix <laughs> because oh, my brain not? was like, no, I think it's being broadcast right now. Oh. Um, because my brain was like, oh yeah, it dropped on Netflix, so it's it's all out. It, they finished it, but no, like I'm pretty sure it's like still coming out on broadcast in Japan. So they only have like half of Stone Ocean out right now. Oh, but I love. I love uh, Team Bucciarati. I love how um, the VAs have done, like, a really good job 
with pronouncing Italian for some reason. <laughs> like, there's so much Italian just sprinkled in. And the voice actors have done such a good job with, like, pronouncing it good. <laughs> like, it's very good. Love you, Mr. Mr. Arriva Durci himself. <laughs> Mr. Bruno Bucciarati. Um, but... Oh, do you... Okay, so do you want to know, like, the thing that I found out that absolutely fucking killed me yesterday? Okay. About part five? Okay. Um, so we've been watching all of the seasons in... Uh, with subs first, right? Because I mm-hmm. want... I want the good voice acting. <laughs> As it was intended. I want to... I like watching it as it's intended first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I... And then I'll go through and watch dubs afterwards. But I opened Instagram yesterday. And the first post was from a voice actor that I follow. And he was like, hey, I'm free to be booked at conventions and stuff. Like, for later in the year. And I was mm-hmm. like, cool. And I was looking at what he's done. And he's the main... He's the villain. He dubs the villain in part oh. five. Dia- Diavolo with like the pink hair mm-hmm. and no shirt. <laughs> yeah, do you want to know what else he does and what what he's most known for? What? He's a uh, he's Freddy fucking Fazbear. Excuse me. <laughs> he's Freddy Fazbear. Hello. <laughs> I I didn't even know those Look characters at- had voice actors. In the new game, they do. Oh, okay. And they did in a in a game a couple games ago. Um, <laughs> looking up English voice actors. All I can think of is Freddie Fazbear is in JoJo. Yeah. Oh, God. Canonically in JoJo. No. Looking like literally looking up English voice actors for anime is just whiplash every time. <laughs> I don't know why it's not the same looking up the actual japanese voice actors like knowing that daisuke ono has done like other is like also sebastian (sighs) michaelis i love him so much he's one of my favorite japanese voice actors i know he's sebastian michaelis in black (laughs) butler he's also he he's jotaro kujo in jojo like that doesn't give me the same whiplash as fucking no shirt having, pink hair owning, ugliest motherfucking stand user Diavolo being voiced by Freddy fucking Fazbear. Well, I think the voice acting industry is a lot smaller, especially in the US. So you have like the same people kind of competing for everything. So like yeah. everyone's done Pokemon and then. Everyone's done video games or anime yeah. at some point. Yeah. Like, the D- English Dio is good. He's good. I like English Dio. But I'm also biased because he voices one of my favorite villains in World of Warcraft. <laughs> so, like, his voice for that character is sort of the one that he uses for Dio. Mm-hmm. And it works. It's just, like, a- asshole shit lord, <laughs> you know, rich English boy. Whatever. But, God... The dubs, I've gone through and I've seen most of Battle Tendency through the dub, and so far that's the only one that's, like, solid. (laughs) Someone on the Discord posted part of the dub, and I love it because it's so over-the-top and stupid that it wraps around to being good. (laughs) Yeah, no, like, the dub dub for Stardust Crusaders is... 
is fine. <laughs> I, like, I like English Gigi Joseph. He sounds basically the same, mm-hmm. <laughs> just in English. Like, they did a very good job casting him. I have to, like, forcibly rewire my brain every time I hear Matt Mercer speak <laughs> as Jotaro because my brain's just like, high noon. <laughs> every time. And it doesn't help that, you know, Jotaro is based heavily on Clint Eastwood. So I'm just like, <laughs> cowboy. <laughs> it's bad. Oh I mean, Matt does a fine job. And he's like, like Daisuke Ono, like Matt was apparently like a huge fan of Jojo and like watched like the original OVA when it came out and stuff and like wanted to voice a character in Jojo and like did it and got got to voice Jotaro, which is cool. And uh, Daisuke basically did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and voice Jojo in, I think, All-Star Battle? Like, one of the games first. Like, he was the official voice for Jotaro for the video games and then had to re-audition, but got it for Stardust Crusaders. Nice. And he knows all the poses, too. Like, <laughs> he's apparently, like, a very, like, he, like, he is a super fan of, of Jojo, which is great. Like, what a what a dream role that this man has has gotten to do. But yeah, we're halfway through part five. I literally just watched a very emotional episode uh, where a character died really horribly right before we recorded. And no. I'm, I'm, I'm very sad. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm going to I'm gonna have to watch it now because now we have to do a JoJo episode. Homie, if you don't think <laughs> I'm about to do a part on every season. Um, oh, no. Not all at once again. Jesus Christ. <laughs> not all at once. I would die. I'll just be a mass and special every so often. Yeah. Like, I definitely want to go through and analyze each part because I think that, like, all of the, all all of the different parts are so distinct and interesting from each other because Rocky's been fucking writing JoJo for 30-something years at this point. God. So, like, I definitely do want to analyze each part separately because I think the growth of it as a series is actually pretty fascinating Mm -hmm. um but definitely will not be doing it back to back like i did for death note absolutely (laughs) you don't want to do like eight hours of it (sighs) not all at once never again (laughs) that was rough um but yeah please watch jojo i feel so bad like i made an entire (laughs) fucking channel in the discord just for me to yell about it to myself (laughs) for the most part but what have you been watching um I've decided that I'm not going to try and watch 13 shows at once again. Oh. Because that's how I ended up watching a bunch of garbage. Valid. But I am trying to catch up with Ranking of Kings because it's a really cute show. Brought it up before. Mm-hmm. Especially now, like, a bunch of episodes are out and I think the second core is starting this month. And, yeah, it's that show about a... The main character, Boji, is deaf and is supposed to be the heir to the throne of his father's kingdom but when his father dies his half brother takes over instead and he's basically mm-hmm. exiled from the kingdom Ooh, yeah love a good bit of family drama <laughs> but it's like it's one of those shows where i can't really tell what the target demographic is because it does get kind of dark but i still enjoy it as an adult and I feel like a kid could watch it, but also, like, so could an adult. Because it has, like, a very cute art style. And 
all the consequences that characters feel or that characters experience feel very real and grounded. Like, it's not like, I don't know, when you're watching Supernatural and Sam dies for like the fifth time in that season or whatever. God. Yeah. I mean, the show also has the benefit of only being 13 episodes so far, so it hasn't fallen into that yet, but I think it does a good job. Did you see? (laughs) Did you see the latest Supernatural drama, though, that popped up? Well, it's not about the CW going out of business, is it? Oh, yeah, that. (laughs) God. Is there another thing? No, not that I know of. That was the last thing I saw, but I love learning about um, Supernatural against my will now that I'm no longer (laughs) in it, into it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are people who are saying that, like, oh, the CW is going out of business because Supernatural ended and they're also homophobic, but which I think is, like, a very funny uh, fake answer. (laughs) But um, the CW hasn't made money since, like, 2006, which is, like, well into season two of Supernatural. So it wasn't making them that much money. But one of its pitfalls is that it took over a bunch of shows from, I think, UPN and the WB. And it took a lot of the successful shows from there that were successful because black people are watching them. Yeah. The CW took them. And then killed all the black people shows and then introduced a bunch of shows with like majority white casts and then watched all their money disappear and were like oh no no one's watching anymore we gotta make more shows with white people like buddy Hmm. you you built your own grave go sit in it now go sit in your go lay down in the bed that you fucking made literally so very little sympathy for cw I just think it's mm-hmm. very funny that Tumblr was like, oh, it's because they're homophobic. Like, okay, that's not true, but it's like, very funny. Well, they... <laughs> it is very funny. I mean, they probably are homophobic, but like, that's <laughs> they're not, like, the channel isn't dying because they didn't make Destial canon. <laughs> <laughs> Except in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, how's, how's the Spanish channel doing, huh? God. <laughs> but, um, how did we get to this? I made us have a sidebar. It's fine. <laughs> um, no, but I think Ranking of Kings is a very good show. Um, I don't think enough people are watching it. I think because it kind of looks like a kid's show. But it's interesting at how it handles its main character, who is deaf. And the way he survived is through the kindness of people who actually see him and want to help him. And it's really cute. And there's like this very interesting kind of conspiracy underneath it all where like the reason why Boji is how he is is because of something that his father did and I don't want to spoil it because I think people should definitely check it out Mm. but I think so far it's doing a really good job of kind of setting up that mystery and making you question like who is actually a good character and who isn't why do people form the alliances that they do it feels like kind of like a kid show, but that one that isn't condescending. Which is always nice. Yeah. Yeah, I really like it. And it's getting good reviews, aside from people who have no taste. Um, <laughs> You know. <laughs> but yeah, there's like other stuff that I want to catch up with. Like Heike Monogatari, which is that like historical drama. Kami Can't Communicate, which ended last season. Mm. Platinum End, which I don't think I'll ever finish. You don't need to. (laughs) 
There's no need. It's just baffling how bad that show is. Like, how do you have... I don't want to call them the dream team, but, like, how do you have two people who wrote this really compelling story that is still looked at fondly years later? That I talked six consecutive (laughs) hours about. Actually, you know what? I think it should have been obvious when... There's that whole section after Elle dies that nobody wants to talk about because it just sucks ass. Everybody hates that part. And, like, the energy of that section is what Platinum End is. Oh, God. <laughs> <sighs> let's, let's on that note. <laughs> yeah, I guess, um, what did we decide the consensus on Netflix Cowboy Bebop is? It's just kind of I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. It it sure is a show that it <laughs> exists. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Two Leaves Pod, or you can email us at Weebs in a Trenchcoat at gmail.com. Um, there's also a link to our Discord in the show notes. We're all a bunch of like weird nerds. Go for it. Come join our Discord. We have a channel specifically. We have several channels for things that are not anime. Yep. It's a great time. <laughs> like Twilight Star Wars and the band My Chemical Romance. The Twilight channel was like, I was trying really hard not to make a Twilight channel, but it kind of evolved into one. Um, oopsies. But. <laughs> oh, well. That's also where we put the super hulak stuff. Yeah. I think, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's where we put it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our opening theme is My Way by Whitney, and the music you're listening to right now is What's the Angle by Shane Ivers. And I'm Madison. And I'm Suzanne. And you know what? How much is his dry cleaning bill <laughs> for that fucking suit? I, w- I genuinely want to know what it's, it would realistically it's so be. Pressed. Like, there are no. There's no battle damage. Does he just have like 10. <laughs> suits that are all the same like i think all of their bounty money just goes towards his stupid dry cleaning don't spend your bounty money on on fucking dry cleaning (laughs) jesus sidebar though i did get a bunch of little little figures from the local like comic nerd store i checked the prices online i got six little little guys for like 10 bucks each for like 60 bucks and i've looked at Mm -hmm. the prices for the full sets of like six of them they they, they're going for like almost 250 on ebay what yeah so i made out like a fucking bandit anyway